Welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of Solarpunk Presents, in which Ariel talks with Melissa Bowman about saying, yes please, in my backyard, to housing developments that will help ease up the current housing crisis in Canada. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of Solarpunk Presents Podcast. Today on the pod, I'm talking to Melissa Bowman, writer of the Citified Newsletter, and a co-founder of the group Waterloo Region, Yes in My Backyard, or WR Yimby, in Southern Ontario, Canada. Melissa, thank you for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Let's just start out with a basic 101-style definition. What does Yes in My Backyard mean, anyway? So I'm guessing many people are familiar with the acronym NIMBY, or Not in My Backyard, Um, And that's a term that often refers to arguments or maybe even the people who make such arguments um, that certain housing should not be built close to them or in their neighborhood. Whereas Yes in My Backyard or YIMBY for short is sort of a counter to those arguments where we advocate for more housing in general with the goal of mitigating the harms of the housing crisis. Waterloo Region, Yes in My Backyard, which is a bit of a mouthful, so I'll probably stick to WRYMBY or YIMBY um, for short during our discussion. We're a grassroots community group that basically urges the cities of Waterloo Region to update or adjust their zoning uh, to allow for more housing, especially uh, affordable housing. How did you first find out about the concept of YIMBY or YIMBY groups? I think it was probably in 2018, uh, which is when I ran for a seat on Kitchener Council. I was not the successful candidate, but it was a very unique experience. During that time, I had the opportunity to meet many new people um, and learn about local organizations. Um, I thought I was very connected before I ran. During that campaign, I realized how much stuff was happening that I had no idea was happening. So I sort of um, was involved in conversations and meeting people and, and gaining a better understanding of issues facing residents um, in a way that I had not um, had the opportunity to do fo- do so beforehand. Um, so I guess that was like five years ago now, but um, even then the issue of housing was on people's minds. Um, and during that time, I connected with Martin Asling, who is another co-founder of WRMB. And he was interested in starting some conversations uh, locally about housing. Um, And I attended one of those conversations and I met a number of other people who were also interested in basically ensuring that we were building enough housing for both current residents and also future ones. And I think that first conversation was pretty transformational for me. It kind of lit a fire in me to push for changes that would help us see more housing built. Had you like encountered the concept of yes in my backyard, like in other areas? I don't think I had. Um, You know, when I first was running um, and the idea of housing came up, you know, there'd be people I would run into who were, you know, passionate about uh, preserving heritage um, aspects of housing and others who were really passionate about affordable housing and and some people who uh, didn't want to see changes to their neighborhood and others who wanted to see more housing. And I I think early on, I was just like, I think there's a way to make all of those things happen all the time. And as I had more conversations um, with people, I was like, 
you know, sometimes those issues rub up against each other and we have to kind of find a way to navigate that. And, and then I was sort of presented with this idea of Yimby. Um, and it really just clicked for me because, um, I had watched some council meetings prior to running and had a general sense of how things ran. And often when something would come up, um, housing related at council, it was people sharing their concerns, um, maybe being in opposition to something new happening in their neighborhood. And I wasn't aware that there was another way of doing things, that you could actually speak for things at council, that you could say, hey, we actually do want more housing. Um, and and maybe these um, voices in opposition are not representative of uh, the community as a whole, that maybe we're missing part of the conversation here. And so when I heard about Yimby, um, I had heard about NIMBY, I think, by that point, but I, I hadn't heard about the counter voice. Um, and just that idea of fighting for things um, just sits better with me as a person. I like the idea of um, advocating for things versus opposing things and fighting against things. So it just uh, spoke to me at sort of uh, the core level of who I am, I think. How did you spread the word about this new group then um, at that point? Was there sort of a lot of uptake? Uh, In early days, it was very slow. Like some of our meetings were, you know, six to 10 people, maybe on a good day. Um, and so I think it started out, uh, we tried to get a website up fairly early on, um, and, and have a bit of a social media, um, presence. So on our website, we described ourselves, I think I said it in the introduction as a grassroots organization. And I think that really does speak to how our group, uh, formed and how we've grown since then. Um, it really has been based on word of mouth, uh, word of mouth and conversations, uh, one-on-one with people. I think as the concept of Yimby has garnered more attention recently, though, um, there are people who have just sought us out intentionally, like uh, Googling uh, Yimby groups in my area, that type of thing. So more recently, we're seeing people intentionally seeking us out, but that was not the case um, early on. Shortly after we formed, though, um, I think we did receive some media attention simply because all of a sudden, there were some people showing up at council meetings in favor of development proposals. And as I said, that that wasn't really um, what was happening for a long time. I think staff and councillors would only hear from people who opposed the development. Um, and then we started showing up and say, hey, we're actually in favor of more housing because we desperately need more options for people to live and, and live affordably in our community. And so I think that felt like a different approach. And because of that, it got some people interested in what we were doing. So anytime there would be um, something in the paper or a little clip on the radio or maybe a clip from a council meeting uh, kind of made its rounds, we'd see a little spike of interest in, in our group. So it was very much just those one-on-one conversations, as well as trying to build on any sort of media attention that we might happen to get. Yeah, I joined the Yimby group because I saw a poster, I think it was, and I had never seen this yes in my backyard sort of formalized as a group before and was like, wow, this is amazing. I I didn't know that such a thing existed. Um, so I was like, is this is this just specific to Waterloo region or are there right. more? And I just haven't been paying attention or or 
how do you get the word out? So yeah, and it is it really is interesting, right? Because um, now that I'm like full into this uh, pro housing work, it feels like you you just start to get to know all the people, the other groups, and and whatnot. But for a long time, if you're not if you're not involved in those housing conversations, I think it feels like we can easily fly under the radar. Um, but I think as and it's not a great thing, but as the um, housing crisis is impacting more and more people. I think those conversations are becoming more common and more sort of the mainstream. Um, and so that's, um, in a sort of horrible way, that's making, um, us, uh, perhaps more needed and, and um, people seeking us out a bit more than they were in the early days. I was going to ask, so what sorts of things does the WR Yimby group do? Um, and could you give a few examples? Um, yeah. You talked a little bit about advocating for new developments and mm-hmm. affordable housing. Um, can you speak a bit more on that? Sure. So um, we meet monthly and uh, pri- so we officially formed kind of early 2019. And um, so that was pre-pandemic and we did all of our meetings in person as most meetings were held back then. Um, the pandemic caused us to shift to online and and that seems to actually work well for a lot of people. Um, we do have a number of ways that people can be involved in in-person things, but our monthly meetings um, are online. And in those, we, we try to identify what... Uh, things are people interested in? Are there certain developments that we want to advocate for? We also try to set some time aside to learn about uh, other organizations or things that are happening in the community around housing. For example, we recently heard from Sean Campbell with um, the Build Now Waterloo Region Initiative. Is there a way that WRUMB might be able to support the work that they're doing? Um, we've met on occasion with our uh, federal member of parliament, Mike Morris, um, to keep updated on what's happening at the federal level on housing. And he's always interested in hearing from us um, about what what we're pushing for. So we had recently uh, created a petition that was asking for the federal government um, to double their social housing stock. Um, and so Mike Morris has been a good champion to work alongside on some of those issues. Uh, We've also done, um, I sort of alluded to some of those in-person things. So we've hosted um, some book clubs, one on the book called uh, House Divided and another one called The Affordable City by Shane Phillips. Early on, we hosted a mini conference with panelists um, who were speaking to various housing issues like upzoning, affordable housing, tiny homes. Um, As I said, we speak to the media on housing issues and delegate to local councils um, on things like infill developments, tenant protections, uh, sanctioning encampments. Um, What else do we do? We've worked with elected officials, as I sort of mentioned, um, at all levels of government. Actually, we've um, advocated for a rental registry at the provincial level, as well as for rental replacement rules. And the city of Kitchener is looking at uh, rental replacement bylaw right now that we're kind of uh, advocating for as well. Um, We've also sponsored a motion with Mike Morris on removing the tax exemptions on um, REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, um, and to use the revenue generated from that to invest in quality, affordable and dignified nonprofit and cooperative housing. 
Elections are always uh, an active time for us. So during the 2022 municipal election, we created a housing platform highlighting some of the things we would want future elected officials to um, sort of advocate for and push for. You can often find us at community festivals and events to discuss housing issues with residents. Um, and then lastly, I'd say that we we try to use social media to highlight a variety of housing related issues um, and encourage people to become involved in various ways. So um, a number of us uh, keep our ear to the ground about things that are happening in local council meetings and try to uh, let people know about opportunities to provide feedback and, and engage in those processes. So, for example, Waterloo Region is looking as a whole, like with Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, and then the larger region, um, they are looking at inclusionary zoning and what might that look like if it was implemented locally. So we've just tried to highlight the opportunities uh, for people to become involved in that process, as well as trying to act as um, a source of information and education where we share articles, ideas, and perspectives on it. So people have a better understanding. You know, you might hear um, about inclusionary zoning in a, a local newspaper article, but we try to provide additional information for the people seeking a little bit more uh, to understand the issue a bit more fully. So there are a lot of different ways that we're trying to engage with people on these issues. That sounds like it's a very busy time for everybody. For sure. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing that you have so many members then to be able to sort of represent the group at these different events and um, and and in these issues as well. Absolutely. And I've really noticed since I've been there sort of from the beginning, um, and as we've grown, it's been great to see different people come on board and have different areas of expertise and areas of interest. And um, we kind of started out as a fair number of Kitchener people. We are slowly seeing more people from Waterloo and Cambridge. Um, I don't know that we have any township representation yet, but um, it's been great to see sort of those boundaries um, represented better um, as we've grown. Um, and also, just those areas of expertise, like I'm very interested in Kitchener Council meetings. Not everybody wants to sit through council meetings and, and watch that, but that is fine for me. Whereas Martin is really great at like digging into the research and um, getting a more fulsome understanding of the research that exists and the resources that are out there. Um, and, you know, some people are really comfortable delegating at council. Other people want to work behind the scenes. And it's so nice to be able to sometimes... Uh, see an issue and just be like, hmm, I'm not sure I totally understand this and be able to discuss it in the group. Um, we have a Discord channel too, where uh, people share information and ideas. And I've learned a lot from others um, using that method as well. I was going to ask you what kind of people are generally drawn to this uh, YIMBY group um, in your experience. So, you know, could you give us an example or or just a, without naming names, Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty diverse group, I think. Um, the one thing I would say is a lot of people coming to us are also people uh, connected to other things um, in their community. So whether I don't know if there's like sort of an activist or advocate gene in people, but um, I think there's people who are already connected to other things are also showing up at, at our meeting. I think 
maybe the people who understand um, that people have the power to make change are are the ones that are involved in a lot of those things and are also showing up to our meeting, which is great. Um, I'm very much the practical person. Like I, there's, there's an issue, there's a problem. What are the steps that we can do to um, make change? And I think there's a number of other people like that in our group. I would say I probably feel like one of the older people in the group and and I'm in my 40s. Um, So I think we tend to be younger. I think partly that's just the reality of who's really largely impacted by the housing crisis. um, And and that tends to be um, people in their 20s and 30s a bit more so than people closer to my age in their 40s and 50s. So um, we do skew younger. We are starting to see, as I said, um, a bit more diversity in the cities being represented, um, which is great. We've got some students um, who, you know, university students um, who are getting to that point in, in their life where they're thinking about like, am I living in my parents' house uh, for the next 20 years? Or is there something more that's attainable for me? It's it's a pretty diverse group, but those are some of the core things that we're seeing in that group. You mentioned delegations to council. So could you expand a little bit on what a delegation to council is? Um, so what happens during those meetings and sort of what's the outcome? What What's WRMB hoping to achieve by, I guess, sending someone to council? That's what a delegation is, right? So first of all, I really believe that you know, local councils are worth paying attention to. Uh, there are just so many important issues that really affect our day-to-day lives. Um, I feel more so than at the provincial and federal levels. Um, and so I think we we need to be paying attention to those conversations. And as I kind of alluded to, I am one of those people who actually watches uh, local council meetings quite often. Uh, in fact, I started live tweeting them a number of years ago. And wow. there were actually people who were following along and saying that they really appreciated it. So I got the sense that there was interest in the conversations that were happening at council, but people simply just don't have the time and the capacity to sit through three or four hour uh, monthly meetings to uh, get, you know, three or four minutes perhaps worth of information that they are finding particularly useful. So um the live tweeting actually is kind of what led to me creating the Citified newsletter, where I try to highlight some of those municipal issues that are being discussed and break them down into digestible parts a little bit. Delegating is basically one of the main ways that you can let council know your thoughts on an issue. Um, you can also email individual counselors or submit written correspondence, and that's included in um, the agenda packages that go go to counselors. So there's a few ways, but uh, let's dive into delegating. Um, that basically means you will speak to counsel on a specific item. And uh, right now, at least in uh, most of our local councils, you can do that uh, in person in council chambers um, at at City Hall, or most of our local councillors offer a Zoom option still as well. Again, um, some of the councils were doing that already. Kitchener had that option for a while before the pandemic, but the pandemic kind of uh, pushed that along and improved the technology and the ability to do that a little bit uh, more easily for people. And I know I've spoken to people, you know, with young young children who want to delegate, and a lot of these meetings are at 6 or 7 p.m. in the evening. That's around bedtime for some young families. Um, being able to delegate uh, with a Zoom call makes it a little bit easier for, for some of those folks, which I think is great. So yes, so you're delegating in front of council. 
But it's important to know that you can't just decide to speak on any issue you care about and just show up at council. Um, there's, of course, a process to follow. Uh, so first, the item ne- needs to be on the agenda. Um, and if it's not on the agenda and you really want it to be, you can often work with a local counselor to find a way to make that happen. So that can sometimes take a little bit of time, but um, it needs to be on the agenda before you can speak to it. And then once it's on the agenda, uh, you need to register to delegate. So council knows that you're coming to speak to that issue. Um, and I think there may be a way to do this with um, a phone call, but I usually just fill out the online registration form. It just takes a couple of minutes, um, asks you a bit about uh, what you're speaking to, when you're going to speak to it, um, and that type of thing. And then once that's submitted, you'll hear from a city staff person who will confirm that they got your information and they'll send you a little email that highlights uh, some of the information you might want to know about um, joining via Zoom or uh, when you should show up and where. So then you're all set to delegate and you simply show up to the scheduled meeting and wait for your agenda item to be announced and council will call on each delegate and welcome you to to speak to your issue and and you come down to the podium and, and share your thoughts. Depending on which council you're delegating to, you usually have five or 10 minutes to speak to the issue. I think uh, at Kitchener, it's five minutes. Region of Waterloo is 10 minutes. Um, you can also delegate as, delegate as a group. Um, and sometimes they give you a bit more time then if you're, um, you know, there's three or four of you. You, of course, don't have to use the entire time to speak. And council can ask you questions, but uh, that's not necessarily what, what will happen. And so I think just sort of a personal part of it, uh, for me, after watching many, many meetings, I started thinking, okay, maybe I should delegate on something. And I have to say, though, I am an introvert, like through and through. So speaking publicly about anything, even an issue uh, I care about deeply, like housing, it it feels really intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's like, most counselors still kind of dress up. It feel you have to go to the podium. There's you have to say that you don't have to, but many people will say things like through the chair, and um, there just feels like there's uh, things that maybe not everybody knows when they're showing up, and so it just kind of feels a bit intimidating. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've delegated many times, um, probably too many times, and I still get nervous um, when I go up to the podium. But council's really great. They, they're they very understanding of the fact that people get nervous doing this. Um, often, if you speak for the first time, council will kind of just say, like, way to go. Thanks for coming and delegating. Um, you know, a couple, I think it was maybe a month or two ago, I saw uh, somebody delegate. And I think Kitchener um, counselor said it was their youngest delegation. Uh, it was, uh, I think she was nine or 10 years old. Um, and she came up with her mom beside her, but she did all the talking and answering the questions and that stuff. I just, I love that stuff so much. Um, but all that to say is I get nervous. I've done it lots of times. Council's understanding of that. You don't have to be, you know, a professional public speaker. They're just there to hear what your concerns are. So I really do recommend delegating to council if there's an issue that you're passionate about. Uh, I think it's a great way to advocate for that issue, but also a really great way to just learn more about the local political process and how things um, work. But 
That being said, if delegating really isn't your thing, writing to counselors is an equally valid method of letting counsel know your thoughts on an issue. I'm a big believer that your local counselor should know you by name because you've made yourself aware. You put yourself on their uh, radar because you're sharing your thoughts and concerns. You don't want to be too much of a pain, of course, but um, sometimes sometimes it's good to get out there. They, you want them to remember you in a positive light. Rather yes, than, that's right. Oh, it's that person. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Okay. Well, thanks for explaining that. That I mean, I'm also an introvert. That sounds nerve wracking, but it's mm-hmm. good to know that there's an option to, to write to counselors um, and maybe have more one-on-one meetings that are a little bit less intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. One-in-one is a great option too. And that allows you to dig a little deeper into some of the issues. You know, even five minutes or even 10 isn't a huge amount of time to really get into some of the big issues that council is dealing with. Say someone is really fired up by listening to this and they think, oh, I totally want to find some Yimby group in my area and join it. And they're looking around, but they can't really find anything. And so they think, well, I'm just going to start up my own Yimby group then. Um, what advice would you give to someone who might want to start up a Yes in My Backyard group in their town or city? First of all, I love it. I love when people are just like, there's a thing that needs to be addressed. And maybe I'm the person who needs to make it happen. Um, so I say, go for it. We are fortunate now that there really are more and more um, pro-housing groups. Um, and in my experience, most of these groups are really supportive of like-minded folks um, and are happy to help them through the process. Um, like if you have questions and things you're wondering about, so don't hesitate to reach out to them. Many um, have websites and a social media presence, um, so you can connect that way. You can also use those to see what they're involved in and uh, figure out which of those things might um, be of interest to you. So I also think that because housing is such an important and diverse issue, that there are many groups who, um, although they may not be officially a YIMBY group per se, they're still working on housing issues a lot. I, I think of Reallocate Waterloo Region um, here, who's um, about shifting some of the funding that goes to um reactive services like policing um, into more proactive things like housing, while they aren't necessarily a housing group, um, that's part of their their interest and their push is to see um, how housing actually supports uh, moving away from relying on policing things after the fact that something's happened. So take a look at and see what other housing that or other groups that may not be YIMBY per se, but might have that on the radar identifying sort of what already exists and where the gaps are. So there are all of these groups, but maybe reaching out to a couple of them, you think, no, this isn't quite, there's an area of need here. And this is what I think we need to focus on. I think that's a really great place to start. You don't want to duplicate what other people are doing, but you want to collaborate and support. So I think there's just that balance of identifying uh, what work is being done and not to duplicate, but how could you collaborate and support? We've collaborated with Reallocate Waterloo Region, as I said, because they they sort of pushed that housing is such an important thing um, as a preventative um, service to offer our community. Um, and, and they really encourage investments in upstream services, including housing. 
um, hold the line. Waterloo Region is another um, partner in, in our work, I guess, um, and they protect our countryside line boundary. And also the Unsheltered Campaign is another group we've connected with, um, and they're a voice for those who are living unhoused or facing precarious housing situations. We also have connected with a group called uh, Citizens for Cambridge, and they're doing some really great work around housing issues in Cambridge. So they're, I think, a perfect example. I'm not sure if they would call themselves a YIMBY group, but all of their things very much align with uh, the things that uh, Waterloo Region, yes, in my backyard is focused on too. And people may or may not know, but recently a Waterloo Region chapter of ACORN um, started up and ACORN is the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. And they really focus on supporting tenants locally. So they've been um, advocating and delegating at councils, writing councils too. Um, there's a couple of developments um, that they're concerned about uh, where, where tenants are going to be displaced. Um, and, and so that's actually probably a really interesting thing to just dive into just momentarily is yeah. this idea that, uh, there are areas that some of these groups and WRUMB align really well. And there's some times where we'll see things differently, but I don't think that's reason to not work with them. It's, it's about identifying those areas that, um, we see those things similarly and, and maybe learning from each other about why we might differ on some of these other areas. So I think all of the those collaborations that we've had, there have been some harder conversations about, well, actually, I'm not sure we see things the same on this particular issue, but it's always been a really great learning experience. And, and it doesn't mean that we can't work together. It just means identifying the areas that we can. So I, I know personally, I've learned a lot from ACORN and, and trying to Find that balance of saying yes to more housing um, while also saying, but there's already people uh, existing in some affordable housing that are under threat because of new developments. How do you sort of live with that tension of being an advocate for more housing, but also wanting really strong tenant supports to protect people who are uh, in otherwise vulnerable positions and potentially under threat by the very thing I want to see. And I don't have easy answers for that, but that's why these connections and collaborations with other groups are so important as we try to navigate the tensions of that. Um, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned hold the line um, since it sort of is more concerned with making sure that like, yes, we're pro-development, but not rampant development to the point where it takes over this, uh, you know, ecologically significant wetlands or or farmers fields or, you know, um, encroaching on those sort of less urbanized spaces. For sure. And I really um, appreciate the idea um, from sort of that pro-housing um, perspective that Hold the Line offers where they're saying like, yes to it here within this boundary and let's build up and, and create like walkable um, communities and neighborhoods where, you know, maybe people don't need to rely on a vehicle as much and, and transit is more of an option um, and all of those things that come with it and the environmental benefits that come with that as well. Um, but, but there's a, a place that we need to stop and we need to say it, it doesn't make sense past here. 
And so, yeah, again, it's a lot of conversations with those those groups and where do we align and do we need to shift our thinking on things um, in some ways um, too? And, and if so, what does that look like? So um, I've really appreciated their, their focus and um, conversations with them. Sounds like being part of a YIMBY group is just sort of continuously learning and negotiating and um, finding out more about the place that you live in. With the people, like we've been talking sort of about the collaborations with other groups, but even within NIMBY, you were sort of asking about the who makes, you know, who is WR YIMBY? And, and I was saying we have some core uh, tenants perhaps that we hold on to, but it is a fairly diverse group. And so even within uh, our group and our conversations, there are people who are more interested in, you know, this one type of uh, development, like maybe missing middle is what they're all focused on, um, you know, sort of that gentle density of um, more townhomes and uh, low rise apartments and that type of thing. And other people are like, hey, let's make sure that we make it easier to build up and we're not sprawling. So even within our group, there are, uh, you know, differences of opinion. But uh, I think having so many things to focus on with the housing issue being so big, people are able to find freedom in pursuing those interests um, within our group, I hope. Yeah, every, it sounds like everyone has sort of their own niche that they mm-hmm. can really sort of focus on because this is such a multifaceted issue. For sure. If our listeners wanted to find out more about WR Yimby or Yimby groups in general, um, where would you suggest that they go to find out more? Sure. I mean, you can um, check us out at wryimby.com. Um, and we've got a few different uh, sections on our website. One of them is uh, about some of the people that we've worked with. Um, more Neighbors Toronto is um, a Yimby group that formed shortly after we did in Toronto. And, and they're doing a lot of great work Um and I think Calgary, out west in BC, there's quite there's been quite the development of uh, Yimby groups, and they have a lot of interesting housing uh, things happening. In, in fact, um, some real recent what I consider wins. Um, and and I didn't really uh, speak to that at all, but we are seeing um, what I would call some wins and some changes in local policy and um, discussions around housing. Um, I think it's becoming far more common at local councils to hear those uh, supportive voices, even if they aren't official WR Yimby folks. There's just more people who are saying, yeah, I want to speak out uh, in support of more housing in my neighborhood because we need it for current residents and future residents. Um, and so we've been seeing a number of local cities uh, upzoning or, you know, saying, as of right, like without needing to come to council necessarily, we can see, you know, four unit um, buildings in all neighborhoods in the city. Um, and that alone is not going to solve our housing crisis, but it's a, a decent step in the right direction because beforehand, it, basically 60 to 80% of cities are often zoned just for single uh, detached housing. And we're starting to see sort of the cards fall on that, which I think is great that um, that gentle density, I hope is an easy win for a good portion of people that you can maybe not love the the tall towers that we're starting to see more of in, in some of the core cores and downtowns of our city. That's, you know, a conversation for a different day. 
but hopefully we can welcome people with, you know, duplexes and uh, three-story walk-ups and more of that type of housing. I hope that's an easy win. And as more councils are approving that, I think that's reflective of people being more open to those types of things, because I don't know that councils are doing that without a sense that they have the political will um, behind them and the support behind them. So it's been great. It's very slow and we're not close to solving the housing crisis, but I can see that the tides are changing and more and more people are better understanding the need for housing, which is a great motivator to keep doing this work. It sounds like the YIMBY group is really inspiring people to sort of speak out for what they believe in. And that's Mm -hmm. really important. Well, thank you so much for um, speaking with me today. This has been a really enlightening conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love chatting with you. I I would love to dive in a bit more sometime to hear more sort of what brought you. You sort of alluded to some of it, but um, maybe that's a conversation for another day. But um, it's it's always great to hear the stories of what brings people uh, to this advocacy work. I think the the positive attitude is really a big part of it as well. You know, it's people like to be part of something that is positive and is for something rather than just against something, because then you start thinking about possibilities instead of, well, instead of sort of the negative um, what ifs. So absolutely. And I love that idea. And, you know, I get it for people who have been in a neighborhood for a long time, and they they just love their neighborhood. And, and maybe that's where some of their uh, concerns are coming from. So, so I get that. I love that people love their neighborhoods, but I, I think we're in a place that we, um, need to welcome more change. And I often think of, um, I lived in a different neighborhood not long ago and there was a very, uh, controversial apartment that was being built before we got there. And we learned about the controversy after you know, a couple of months after living there. And and we're like, oh, I didn't realize that because for us, it was just part of the neighborhood. We weren't, we weren't there for the, the fighting and the concerns around uh, height and, and uh, parking and shadows. Um, it was just part of the neighborhood to us. Um, and so I think uh, as we see these changes come to neighborhoods, I'm hopeful that people will realize, oh, this is just, our neighborhood looking a little bit different, but it's still kind of at the core of the same, the same yeah. neighborhood that we've loved for so long. Yeah. And I think, you know, prioritizing people over, over, I guess, shadows and, and height yes. and all these, all these sort of technicalities of, of building is, I mean, it's the people that make the neighborhood, right? So, exactly. Um, and if, if you love your neighborhood, then sharing that with newcomers is, maybe something that you might want to do. And absolutely. I remember one person, I was on social media or something, and they said it should be less about the character of the neighborhood and more about the characters of the neighborhood, meaning about the people. And I always love that approach. Yeah, yeah, that is great. That's a great thought. And that's, that's a good thought to end on. <laughs> Thank Perfect. you so much. <laughs> Thank you for the conversation. It was great chatting. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Solarpunk Presence, a podcast hosted and produced by Ariel Kroon and Christina De La Rocha. The audio for this episode was recorded in part on the traditional territory of the neutral Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples. 
and in Germany. The opening and closing music for this podcast is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol, available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Don't forget to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash solarpunkpresence. Every little bit helps us keep bringing you discussions and interviews. Until the next episode, keep dreaming. And stay solarpunk. Punk.